Like the farmers, we sow our seed and we know that in the course of time there's a harvest coming. You don't know exactly where or when. Uh, and when you see the, the, the manifestations of that, the indications of that, you can't help but get a little bit excited. And it's the same here. When we see people uh, coming to a place of knowing God, coming close to God. You know, I was thinking about um, what Lucy was saying. You know, that just God stepping in. I think you said, was it at the end of the meeting? See, isn't it amazing? You'd think God would have gone home by then. <laughs> just uh, remarkable. Uh, God's goodness just poured out all the time. And I don't know why we worry at times. You know? do, you ever, do you ever stop and think, why did I worry about that? What's the point in worrying about that? You know, when God then just steps in and you think, whoops. You know? uh, I don't know if, I can't remember if I've told you this, but I'm just about to tell you again if I did. Uh, on a recent uh, visit, we had to check in a bag. Now, I don't like to check in bags. Uh, those of you that travel with me know that you travel light. But I don't, I, There was complications about how, how this bag would work through. And I thought, what a stupid thing to be worrying about. I came to that realisation after we successfully retrieved the bag. And after that, I thought, hmm, I probably could have done without that because it didn't actually make any difference to the process of getting the bag. Um, but I could have just rested that with God. don't think my worrying and anxiety actually produced anything on that. Yeah. Do you think so? Do you think American Airlines contacted their president and said, look, John's a bit worried about this bag. Can you nip down to make sure it gets on the plane okay? I don't think so. But I think our God looks out for all these things and tells us to bring all our cares to him. So we've had this uh, precious time today of giving thanks um, for, the, for the children. And uh, I just want us to come back and... Remember, this is a very biblical thing to do. And uh, in Mark chapter 10, uh, we read about that whole situation. There's a number of accounts of it. Uh, and uh, let's just refresh ourselves with it. Um, verse 13 says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples... Uh, rebuked them. No, 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 he's, he's too important. Children are not important. Uh, he's got to be dealing with important people. Well, they got it wrong. And uh, when Jesus saw this, uh, it says he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Okay, we got that bit. Then he goes on to say, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. See, we have to understand that coming to Jesus is not a kind of, it's not a sort of a thing you do. Uh, it's not just a nice thing. 
This is those, as we, we bring our children to him, he pronounces these are they that are the kingdom and are those who are to bring in the kingdom. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And we've got to understand sometimes we can, we can operate in our own little world and our own little kind of way of doing things and miss out the huge significance that we're actually engaged in. I mean, we're saying, as we bring the children, we're saying we're giving thanks for these precious ones. And he's saying, good, I receive them because they are those that I'm going to use for the extending of the kingdom. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That's his rule, his way, his desire. Now, just to take a little resume, because I've got three questions that I want to ask you. And uh, it shouldn't take too long. Um, we should be out of here by Monday morning, so we're, we're okay, all right? Coming to Jesus, it's not a ceremony. It's not just something we do. It has purpose in it. We've already looked at the purpose about bringing the children. There was this man, he's quite an important man, who came, he didn't actually bring his daughter, but he came on behalf of his daughter. His name was Jairus. She was obviously very, very ill. And then he got a message that she died. Jesus comes. There's a whole sort of wailing and stuff going on. And of course, those of you who know the story know that he just called her forth, raised her from the dead. So what have we got? Children that come to be recognised by him, brought by their parents, and receive what only he can give. A father that comes on behalf of his daughter at the point of death, dies, and Jesus raises her from the dead. We've got a very dramatic, um, tragic sort of situation. This father that comes and brings his son. The Bible says he, he was troubled by a spirit. It was, it was like uh, indescribable how he was. Um, convulsions, fall to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Uh, just horrific. Um, robbed of speech. Gnashing of teeth. I mean, it just is fairly pictorial description. And this man, he'd come and obviously didn't quite get to Jesus and he managed to get to the disciples and the disciples didn't seem to be able to help. So Jesus, the, the, the father comes again and he says, uh, how long has it been like this? Oh, it's been like this from very young. <laughs> he goes into more detail. It's often throwing him into the fire. 
so he's obviously badly scarred, or into the water to kill him. Then the man says this, and like, you can understand this, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible if you believe. Immediately, the boy's father is very real, very open, very honest. He said, I do believe, but then I don't. This is an amazing thing. I want you to catch this. I do believe, kind of, but I don't. You see, he made an honest, open confession to God in the form of Jesus there. And that is all he ever requires. He doesn't want to, hallelujah, yes, I believe, I'm a believer, I'm great at belief. That, that doesn't cut any ice. He doesn't want pretense. All he wants is reality. It doesn't matter that we, sometimes people say, well, I, I'd like to come to God, but I'm, I've, you know, I'm, I've done a lot of things wrong, but I'm very good. I, you know, I, I feed the cat every day, and uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't steal the neighbour's apples when the branch hangs over our garden. I mean, begin to build a case. He doesn't want any of that. He just wants us to be real. So here's this man. Obviously, it's true, he was believing because he's, he's kind of trying, but he's just had his son, who's in a desperate state, exposed to all the people that are around Pretty embarrassing situation. So he said, just, I do believe, but, you know, in the light of what's happened, I don't. That's all that Jesus required. That honesty. And you know what Jesus does? He heals the boy. You know, there was no problem about his believing after that. You see, it's God's supernatural indescribable gift that helps us to believe. We choose, we make a choice to come to him. We make a choice <coughs> to believe that Jesus lived, that he died, was crucified on the cross, and that he was raised from the dead. I said, okay, I choose to believe that. But it's pretty difficult. Let me take that a bit further. Come on, guys. That's not possible to believe that. Somebody died, crucified on the cross. Everybody there, the soldiers dug the spear in to make absolutely sure. He was, he was dead. But I choose to believe it. Now, at that point, at that point, something happens. Because there's a little bit that's kind of added on to that. Because he did that, God says, I made him Lord. Lord of all. Lord of everything. Lord of everyone. What do you do about that? Okay. I'll accept that. Then, and only then, is the miracle that takes place. That's the thing that only God can do. In the same way as for the man... He was given an ability to believe. God gives us the ability to believe. It's not we're trying to do cartwheels of the mind. It's basically 
a supernatural gift that we can believe because he does that for us. So let's think. A little, a little bit earlier, Mark 5, there's a woman that comes. And she's been suffering hemorrhaging for years. And she reaches out. She comes to Jesus and just thinks, if I can just touch his garment. And of course, he's immediately healed. So, I want us to look at another story. I like this one. It's just in the same chapter, chapter 2. This is about, let me read it. That'll be fun. This, this is uh, Mark chapter 2. Um, Jesus uh, is in Capernaum. People had heard he come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat and the paralysed man laying on it. And Jesus Here's my first question. I wonder what category you're in. Are you a friend that would bring someone to Jesus? Looking at the stories, we've seen that Jesus is Lord over death, he's Lord over disease, he's Lord over demons. I think that pretty much covers everything. He desires, even as we bring our children, he desires that we come to him and accept that he's Lord and that God raised him from the dead and he gives us the power to believe. Okay. Are you a friend that brings someone to Jesus? That's my first question. All right, have a little thought. Uh, your number, your category number one, okay? Are you a friend who could bring someone to Jesus? In order to do that, come back to one of my favourite things, you've got to be close enough to know the situation of the person. You've got to love enough to actually care about this situation. And you've got to be willing to pay whatever price in order to do the job. Yeah? Close enough to know, love enough to care, and willing to pay the price. How many times do you think you might have heard that in the course of those of you who have been here for a while? It's very, very foundational to what we, what we say and what we believe. So here's this thing. Come on, let's just enter into the scene for a minute. Are you with me? Yeah? I mean, we know the story, we know the outcome, you know, job done. So you're coming along, you're carrying the friend because you have deep concern. All right, four of you on a kind of, I don't know what it was, they call it a mat or a whatever. So there's a little bit of effort involved, but there's a lot of concern to get him there. You get there, bless my soul, you can't get near Jesus. There's so many people there. I mean, well, maybe just hang on on the outside and hope that he might sort of come that way. There is something stronger which is, which is compelling these people. Let us say, 
It's compassion. It's a care, and it's something that comes from God. So they do something which is a little unusual. They step out of the normal. They step out of what is acceptable, and they go up with your flat roof, with steps on the outside, they go up onto the roof. Maybe tiles, I mean, I, I don't know how it was constructed. It says here that they dug through. I mean, that's a bit extreme, you know? I uh, wonder what people were saying. What on earth are they up to? I mean, this is, this is unacceptable behaviour. This is a kind of religious mania, kind of, it's ridiculous. Lots of criticism, lots of ideas about how it could otherwise be done. But these are people who are prepared to suffer the ridicule, to bypass the lack of understanding that other people would have, to ignore all the criticism, because they had something in mind. What they had in mind, can I perhaps take it a little bit further? What they had in their heart was, a, was this man and his need and Jesus who could meet the need. And one way or another, they were going to get him to Jesus. So they dig some big enough hole in this roof to lower the man down. And of course, he's brought to Jesus and he's healed. I wonder if they had a debate. I wonder what the bloke's going to say whose roof it is. Uh, I mean, who's going to come back and mend it? I don't know. It doesn't say about that. It feels to me as though they were fixed on something of a greater significance um, and they weren't going to wait at the edge of the crowd doesn't say it. But, you know, people are not that different. I wonder how Jesus is going to receive. He's in the middle of preaching, talking to all these people, and suddenly dust starts to fall, and bits of whatever it is, plaster or something, starts to come down. I mean, it's kind of an interruption, isn't it? You know, let's say it happened here. I mean, I know you're enthralled listening to me, but then I'm not Jesus. I wonder how much attention would go from what I'm saying to this hole appearing in the roof. Yeah. And I wonder how many of you would move out of the way quickly in case more than just the man came down. Yeah. How's he going to receive it? It's going to disturb his meeting. Well, he did receive it. You see, they then subsequently had the extreme joy of celebrating and seeing their friend. I mean, it says that this man, remember, he's completely paralysed. He's so healed that Jesus can say, okay, pick up your mat or whatever it is, and we're not looking for someone to carry out the, the equipment or the stretcher or whatever it was. Do it yourself. You're okay now. I mean, it's total. What Jesus does is total. Of course, there were some others there. 
um, this story tells us there were uh, some teachers of the law sitting there. Seeking to observe, seeking to raise theological and doctrinal points. In fact, stuffed up to the eyebrows with religion. We have no time for religion. We have time for meeting with Jesus. We have time for knowing Jesus. We recognise that it's Jesus himself. We're talking about a relationship, not a religion. They were missed it. They missed the whole significance. Because then they go, oh, well, perhaps we shouldn't have done this at this time, and this doesn't really fit with what we know and the doctrine that we've got. I mean, pathetic. Right there, a miracle before their very eyes, and they could not see it. Wow. That, to me, is a great tragedy. Of course, the friends were able to celebrate, but the Pharisees, or the teachers of the law, who were sitting by observing. See, there's a, there's, there's a kind of sitting by where you're just an observer, or there's a, a, like a sitting under where you're kind of receiving. You get an instruction, you're learning, you're receiving something, what's happening. So the one, you're kind of a bit stood back. And the other is you're more receptive to receive it. In this situation, those that were receptive were the ones who received it. And those who didn't just were caught up in pointless religion. You see... Somewhere along the line, there needed to be an expectation. These parents today that brought their children, they didn't come because somebody made them. They had an expectation that this would be something. They might not have the full detail, but they knew that there was something important. When we bring our children to Jesus, we do it because we have an expectation. When we come... Uh, to him for healing. We do it because we have an expectation. When we come to give our lives to him, it's because we have the expectation that he will receive us and that as we put it, our lives under his authority, he can do better than we can ever do. You see, those Pharisees didn't have any expectation. You know, it's interesting to say, read in the Bible, that the angels of God, which therefore must mean that God is involved, rejoices over someone turning from themselves and coming to him. So number one question, are you a friend that could bring someone to Jesus? Let me look at number two very briefly. Are you the one that comes? Are you the one that should come? Are you the one that now is the time to say, I myself need to come to Jesus. I myself need to submit my life to his rule. I myself need to get what he alone could give me, the life that he's prepared for me. He's the only one that has the power to change, change heart. The encouraging thing for you if you're in in what I'm going to call category number two, we see from the things that we're looking at that Jesus has how he receives people. He won't have the children sent away. He wouldn't uh, worry about the disruption to what he was doing when the man's lowered. 
Even in a crowd where he's been pushed and pressed and a woman reaches out and touches him, he still wants to have dialogue and, and, and talk with the woman. He receives people because he loves us and he's got the very best for us. That's category number two. Let me just briefly conclude with number three. Maybe going back a step. Do you know someone? This is, this is what you've got to answer. One, two, or three. Okay? Am I being clear? Yeah? Do I need to say it again? Yeah? Do I need to say it again? No? No? Some of you I know are kind of brighter than others. Number three. Do you know anyone that needs to be brought to Jesus? No, no. That's not what I'm thinking of. This is what I'm thinking of. This is about something that God does. This is not about trying to think of who do I know down my street or uh, what about that lady on a bus or whatever. No, this is about you saying, Lord, who is it that I know that I want you to put your finger on right now so that I know that's somebody that is my responsibility to bring to you. And you know, if you join in this, I mean, you can just listen to this or you can join in it. If you join in it, right now, this is what you're doing. You're saying, Lord, that I'm to bring to Jesus. Now, that may be a prayer thing, but more than likely, it's an action thing. See, if God says, I want you there, you will find, you'll have that opportunity, there'll be that, that particular kind of nudge to do something about it. God will show you what to do. Do you know someone that needs to come to Jesus? Last week, Sally um, spoke to us about picking up again that discarded armour, uh, coming back to that place of, uh, of faith. And in these days, in this time of what we've called harvest, we can expect that God will involve us because that's the most wonderful thing he does. In the same way that he said of the children, see, there, to the kingdom of God, he says of each one of us that we're there for his kingdom and there for the extending of his kingdom. Okay, are you number one? The friend that actually brings someone. Are you number two? The person who needs to respond to that call to come to him. Or are you number three? You're not quite at that point of lifting the mat and bringing someone, but do you know someone that needs to come that you would now lift up before God? Hmm? Take a moment to think. I may have missed a category, but I don't think so. Have a little think. Are you one, two, or three? Not an order of preference. I've just, I could call it ABC or XYZ. It doesn't make any difference. I'm just defining. Lord, we ask now that you would make clear what you want us to do. We've looked at your word. 
We've considered these things. And we're just opening our hearts to you to see what you, what you want of us. Are you the friend that brings someone? Are you the one that, this is your time, this is your moment, you need to come? And do you know someone who we need to? We invite you, Holy Spirit of God, just to clarify and speak to us now and draw to yourself those of us that can serve you in a special way and those of us who this is the moment to say, I want to come. I want to come to know him. The one who gave his life for me. Will you grant that now? In Jesus' name. Amen. It could be helpful if you take opportunity. Uh, there's something about once you make a, a, a decision. You saw it earlier on. Oh, we made a decision and he acted on it. Something about when we, when we think, the Bible says, believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. It kind of seals it. It has a power to do that. Therefore, I would suggest, I'm going to hand back to Phil, but I would suggest that before you leave, you take that opportunity to actually speak it out to someone. Or you can come and we can pray with you. That's another good thing to do. Yeah? Something about coming straight to God at that point. Yeah? And remember the man who brought... I guess we have to say he's right in saying he did believe because otherwise he wouldn't even be there. But it's also right to say that he was very honest. He didn't have a full belief. But God gave it to him. Yeah? That's what we can ask God to do.